0: We are so glad you've joined us today for our Tuesday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your will be over.
1: First Samuel chapter 9. Now, if you recall from the last time we were in 1 Samuel chapter 8, um, Samuel's now old, and the reason we know that is because the people tell him that. <laughs> Samuel, you're old, and your sons don't walk in your ways. So that's kind of what they tell him. And so because of that, they now want a king. And asking for a king isn't bad in and of itself. It's, it's the uh, presumption that they believe that they've come up with the answer because uh, Samuel's sons don't walk like Samuel does, and uh, because of that, they're saying, and this is what we've come up with. We now need a king. We think we're ready for a king. We need a king now. Uh, and it's their timing in asking for a king. They should wait on the Lord. They shouldn't presume to just go before Samuel and just say, hey, we need a king. Look, you're old, you're not going to be with us much longer, your sons don't walk in your ways, so we need someone to lead us and guide us, and so we want a king. But instead, what they should have done is that they should have gone to Samuel and say, hey, look, you might not know this, but your sons don't walk in your ways. Um, they take bribes, they've kind of turned from justice a little bit, and so because of that, we can't really trust them. So Samuel, you tell us what we should do. That would have been the right thing to do. You tell us what we should do. Instead of taking the bull by the horns and, and, uh, and making that decision for him. And so Samuel gets a little bummed out at that. God tells him, don't take it personally. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Uh, and so um, so God says, if they want a king, I'll give them a king. And so this is what chapter 9 is all about. And so um, always be careful of what you Persistently ask God for, because he just might give it to you. And that's going to be for your learning, believe me. Okay? Now, a quick little side note here that I find kind of interesting. Eli had two defiantly sinful sons, uh, Hophni, Phinehas. So the Lord raises up Samuel as Eli's adopted son. The problem of Eli and his two sons is repeated, although not to the same degree with Samuel's sons. They did not walk in the way of Samuel. So just as Samuel was a replacement for Eli's two sons, we're going to see that Saul is going to be the replacement for his two sons. And we'll see that here in chapter 9. So starting here in verse 1, it says, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abel, the son of Zeor, the son of uh, Bekaroth, the son of Aphia, the, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. Now, the focus here is going to shift from Samuel to Saul. Um, Saul is presented to us in several uh, different perspectives at the very beginning of this chapter. Saul comes from the tribe of Benjamin, is what we read here. You might remember that in Judges chapter 19-21, through it uh, tells us of the outrage of this perversion that has been committed in Gibeah which is a Benjamite city. Uh, This leads to civil war uh, when the Benjamites refused to punish the perpetrators, and so so the results were disastrous. Um, Because they refused to give up the the men that did this dastardly thing, uh, they go to battle with their fellow countrymen, and when the battle is over with, there's only 600 men left in the tribe of Benjamin. They were the smallest tribe anyway. They're really the smallest tribe now. Only 600 men remained. Um, Saul is from this tribe that has infamous reputation, and he's also from the town of Gibeah where this perversion took place. So not only is he from the same tribe, he's from the same town, which started this whole thing. And so this Benjamite genealogy When I look at it, the first thing I think of, it it has a notorious, sordid past. It's very infamous, this tribe. And so we could look at this and we can kind of think, probably during this time, could anything good come out of Gibeah? Could anything good come out of Benjamin? Lord, if you're going to give us a king, really, from Benjamin? But then again, they also said that about Jesus. Can anything good come from Galilee? And we know from 1 Corinthians 1.28 that God loves to use the despised things to put the shame the wise. And so, and I, I don't know about you, but I praise God for that. That he will choose to use the, the, the weak, the foolish things, you know. And uh, to which uh, we all qualify <laughs> at that point, praise God. And so... His father's name is Kish, a mighty man of power. It says here, and that is that's speaking of great wealth, that's speaking of great substance. And so apparently, Kish has been prospered, has been able to prosper during this uh, with this diminished tribe of Benjamin. And so he has a son. His son is named Saul. He's handsome and taller than most. Uh, I love the way that it says that uh, he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. And there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. He was the fairest in all the land. That's pretty much is what's being said here, you know? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Um, I mean, he's the guy. He's the guy. And so it says in verse 3, Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, please take one of the servants with you, arise and go look for the donkeys. And so he goes about looking for the donkeys. He's not going to be able to find them. Um we we kind of can see a little bit there's there's many who see a contrast here between Saul and David right away. That David is the keeper of the sheep and uh and he loses none. And uh he loses none to the bear, he loses none to the lion, you know. He is someone who is a shepherd who really looks after his sheep. And here Saul, and it doesn't say Saul's the one that lost them, but he certainly can't find them. We're going to find out, you know. And so, uh, so the donkeys are missing, and so Saul and the servant go looking for them. This is what's going to lead uh, Saul into meeting Samuel, this divine appointment, this divine appointment. Now, really quick, there, there are two mistakes that people make regarding God guiding in our circumstances. There. The one mistake is that they think that every event in our life is heavy with meaning from God, and I believe that this is wrong, because there's nothing that, although there's nothing that happens by accident, not everything that happens is of great purpose, you know? I went to pick the Cheerios, and I got the Frosted Flakes. What does that mean? You know? God, what are you telling me? And, they, and, they, and there's people that do that, and, and we got to be careful with that. We've got to be careful with that. And the second mistake is to ignore the movement of God in our lives through circumstances. God wanted this situation to guide Saul, there's no doubt. And God will often use circumstances alive in a way to bring us to a, a, a very um, divine event in our lives. And so we need to trust God in those, in those circumstances, in those events, and in his goodness and his ability to make all things work together for good for those who love him and are the called and according to his purposes. And so we know that. And don't think that just because you're, you're doing some mundane routine thing day in and day out that God can't speak to you there. He can. This, uh, the, the woman at the well in Samaria was doing a very routine thing, going to the well like she does every single day. And that's when she had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And so I don't care how routine something is, God can certainly interrupt you. God can certainly um, uh, make that a divine appointment in your life. And so here we see Saul looking for donkeys. It's going to lead him to Samuel, who's going to anoint Saul king. And, and, And now we know this, is that kings are the ones who ride donkeys. So as he's looking for donkeys, can't find them, he's eventually going to be anointed king, and he's going to be someone who rides donkeys. This is not a story about a man who loses something of value and is unable to find it. This is a story about a man who uncovers buried treasure as he's looking for something very common, donkeys. And so it says in verse 4, so he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha and that they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalim and they were not there. And there he passed through the land of Benjamites but they could not find them. And when they had come to the land of Zuf. Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. These land of Shalisha, the land of Shalim, the land of Zuf. It sounds like he's going to far, far lands to be able to find these donkeys. No, we're talking about a 10-mile radius. Okay? So, um, So just know he's not going on a huge adventure. As a matter of fact, we know in verse 20 that... Saul, uh, Samuel, when he's speaking to Saul, he says, hey, those donkeys that you lost three days ago, <laughs> but when you look, he's gone through the land of Zooph. he's gone through the land of, he's only been gone three days, that's it, he's only been gone three days. And so, it says here, when they come to the land of Zooph, Saul said to his servant who is with him, come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys, become worried about us. And he said to him, look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass, so let us go there. Perhaps he can show us a way that we should go. It's interesting that the servant of Saul knows of the man of God in this city who is Samuel. But Saul doesn't know him. Doesn't know who he is. I find that very interesting hard to believe. I find that very interesting um, that he doesn't know who this man of God is, that Samuel is there. There's no indication that he ever knew him, and then when he meets him that he's ever seen him before, which is odd being that Samuel, what he has done for the nation over the last 40 years, and the way that he traveled around and got people's hearts back to worshiping God. I find that very, very interesting. And being that Saul lived in Gibeah. We know that from 1 Samuel 10, 26. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and a valiant man went with him, and whose hearts God had touched. And we know that Samuel lived in Ramah. And Ramah was only five miles from Gibeah. So I find this very, very interesting that he doesn't seem to have any clue who Samuel is. And so... According to 1 Samuel 3.20, all of Israel knew of Samuel. And that when it means all of Israel, it means all the heads of the tribes, everybody that is in a leadership capacity, they would all know who Samuel is, who Samuel was. Um, And so how could Saul live so close to Israel's spiritual leader and not know about him is a bit of a mystery. Yet it does speak volumes about Saul and his family. Simply, they farmed there at Gibeah. and it looks like they just minded their own business and apparently they never attended the annual feasts because you would see Samuel there blessing the, um, uh, the sacrifices, being that he's the high priest. So it tells me that they didn't go up, or if they did, Kish went, but his son never went with them for whatever reason. And so Saul didn't attend the annual feast and wasn't greatly... Uh, concerned about spiritual matters. And and I look at that, that's like many people today. Um, He wasn't against religion, per se, uh, but he didn't make it um, part of his life. He didn't make it a priority to know God. That wasn't a a priority in their lives. It didn't make it a, a vital part of their lives. And knowing God, being obedient to what God would like for you to do with your life was not a priority with Saul's family. And that's like many believers today. And so just like then, we have today many ignorant Christians who don't even know that they have gifts and callings and that God wants to use them, and they don't expect God to use them. They don't understand that they've been created for the purpose of God, that their very nature, their very being is to make his name great, and they don't get it. And so they just kind of come to service, and then they can leave, and they go, Ah, he speaketh well. But it's always been my heart and desire that when the Word of God is taught, that people would leave here and say, let us march. There's many people who speak well. But if the Word of God is really being preached, it should penetrate the heart, and it should make us to move and to change. And so, Saul's family just looks like those those type of believers that just kind of go with the flow. And uh, it's not so that they don't believe, they just don't see the importance and the priority that God wants to have in their lives. And so Saul's servant suggested that they go see this man of God, Samuel, because he might be able to show them where to find the donkeys. And, and it's interesting because the Hebrew word here, to tell or to show, when we look here um, in verse uh, 6, it says, "Now there is a, in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says shall surely come to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us." The word "show us" there is a word, a Hebrew word, negad. It means to tell. It means not a, He's not going to, you know, physically show him that way. You know, he's going to tell him, and so it means to tell. And this word is used three other times in this chapter. In verse sixteen. It is there's an interesting word here for the word commander or captain, and it is the Hebrew word negid that comes from negad. And the reason why I bring this up is because it is a noun that's related to the verb negad, to tell, but it's actually a word negid, which means king designated. I mean, this is the designated king. And the reason why I bring this up is because it looks like Saul and his servant hoped that Samuel would tell negad, them where the donkeys were and said, Samuel told, negade them that Samuel or Saul has been neged, designated the king. So they go looking for him to tell him one thing, and instead he's being told another thing. And the reason why, another reason why I bring this up is because we had, we had spoken of before that First Samuel, all through the Old Testament, but particularly in, in in, uh, here in 1 Samuel, we see a lot of puns, a lot of play on words, a lot of things that are so close that to the Hebrew brings incredible meaning to. And, and they are they're dots that need to be connected. And so to tell someone negad, and uh, you need to be told this, and I'm looking to be told that, and then instead you're going to be told something else, and here's the play on words. Instead of being told, you're going to be designated as king, negad, negid. And so again, a very unexpected event takes place in a very normal, everyday, routine thing of, I'm sure this isn't the first time the donkeys went missing, you know. He's only taken enough provisions for three days, so he's expecting to probably find them within a day or two at the most. And so again, he's not expecting this. He's not expecting this. In verse 7, it says, Then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone. And there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here at hand, at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. So the bread in their vessels are gone. We know in verse 20 that, that Samuel tells them, Look, your donkey's been lost for three days. So they've only brought enough provisions for three days. Uh, and so that's gone. Uh, Saul thought by giving the man of God a cake from his traveling bag that it would at least be sufficient to, to get an answer from him. And it speaks of their culture uh, of, of paying respect and honor to somebody who has a greater status than they do. And, and we're showing our respect here. This is all I have. It's, it, it's bread, but at least it's something. I can't inquire this guy of something if I don't have anything to give him. And so the servant says, well, I have one-fourth of a shekel of silver. Um, and so, uh, again, uh, in order to be able to get what they need from, from Samuel. And so in verse 9, it says, "...formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, "'Come, let us go to the seer, for he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer.'" And Saul said to his servant, "Well said, come, let us go." And they went to the city where the man of God was. This is actually uh, the first time that the word "seer is ever used in the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word roah, and it means first and, and, and it means a person who sees, particularly supernaturally. And so he's a seer. they could go to him, and he could say, "Hey, your, your animals are over here. I see where they are. I see where they're located." He can supernaturally see things like that. That's why he's called a seer. A seer is always a prophet, but a prophet isn't always a seer. Okay, And so a prophet can be a mouthpiece for God, but it doesn't mean that he sees everything like a seer can when God allows for him to. And so, um, so Samuel is a seer as well. And we know that because he's able to tell him, by the way, the donkeys have been found, and <laughs> they didn't even get a chance to even ask him about that. They've been found, they're back, they're, everything's good. Um, and so it says here, and they went up to the hill to the city. They met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, is the seer here? And they answered and said, yes, there is just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today came to this city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. There's no central sanctuary in Israel at this time. Remember, Shiloh was destroyed, Okay. So whatever the city this is, most likely it's Ramah because we're going to see that uh, Samuel has a place to stay and his family is there. He has 30 people there as he's about to eat of the sacrifice and things like that, which is the priest is able to do. Um, and so, um, and so it, he's going to sacrifice today on the high place. Verse 13, it says, As soon as you come into the city... You will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterwards, those who are invited will eat. Now therefore, go up for about this time, you will find him. So they went up to the city, and they were coming into the city, and there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. So, in the next verse, Samuel now hears about from God about Saul. In verse 15, now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear, in his ear the day before Saul came. So it was the day before that God had already spoken to Saul to Samuel, I'm sorry. Saying this, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel. That word commander there is the word Nagid that I was talking about. And it says, You will anoint him commander, your Bible might say captain. Um, over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have lo- looked upon my people, because their cry has come to me. The word commander there also means uh, uh, um, crowned prince. Okay, And so again, that's where they get Neged designated king, crowned prince from. And so God tells Samuel about this meeting before Saul and his servant knows about this meeting and and, and notice that the Lord spoke in Samuel's ear. I love that. You should underline that. You should highlight that, that God spoke to Samuel's ear, uh, that no matter what Samuel was doing, he could hear the voice of God. He could hear the voice of God. And this is a great question for us. If God was to speak to you today, would he have your ear a lot of times we meet with God and we meet with God on a regular basis, but it's kind of like you, you, you leave them there in the place that you do your devotion. You kind of lock them in there or, or you're speaking to Him on the phone and, and you say amen and it's like click. But the question is, does God have your ear throughout the whole day, throughout the whole week? that he can speak to you anytime as you're driving, as you're there at work, as you're taking care of the kids, whatever the whatever the situation is, whatever the daily routine is, does he have your ear? Can he speak to your ear or can he only speak when you're silent reading the word? And don't get me wrong, that's it. That's awesome to hear from God that way. But it isn't I got to tell you, it's also pretty awesome when you're going about your daily routine and all of a sudden God has your ear and he tells you something or you see something and, and you know it's the Lord speaking. I'm telling you, that is one of the neatest things and that could happen with everyone. But the question is, does he have your ear? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. And when you have somebody that understands that when you're done with your devotion with the Lord it isn't see you later it's like okay Lord now come with me and so he's with you throughout the whole day and you're able to converse with him you're able to pray with him throughout the whole day as you're about yeah things that need to be taken care of during the day but can God speak to you does he have your
0: ears That completes this Tuesday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us Wednesday as we continue our study in 1 Samuel. Fall is here, which means it's time for our annual Harvest Festival. On October 31st, Calvary Castle Rock will be hosting a wonderful free event for the whole family. The night will include carnival games, inflatables, high strikers, face painting, funnel cakes, food, and of course, lots of candy. So come on out and join us from 4 to 8 p.m. October 31st. We are located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell gas station. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at calvarycr.com. That's calvarycr.com. Or you can call our church office at 303-663-2514. Thank you again for listening in today. And until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God.